What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. If you are, if you could please do me a favor and share on your Instagram stories and tag the Unstoppable Podcast so more people can tune in, that would help immensely. As always, I appreciate your support so we can continue to grow. With the pursuit of every new goal, there will be a time where we experience setbacks, failures, and of course, the doubters. During those times, it can be easy to lose confidence in our abilities. And when that happens, our motivation to accomplish the goal can quickly die out, causing us to never fully reach our true potential. So how can we stay motivated through the difficult times to find out what we're truly capable of? Thurl Bailey knows a thing or two about reaching one's full potential. Gambling on a foul. Here he comes. Here comes Mr. Trouble. Thurl Bailey, North Carolina State. His mind won't let him be a starter. His body will let him be a great reserve, though. He's tough, huh? Stockton's got the ball, three-point line. Stockton bounds the ball to Thurl Bailey. In the air, jump shot of eight footer. No good. He gets it back, puts up a three-footer, and scores it. Nice play by Thurl. Thurl was a starting forward on the North Carolina State men's basketball team that had an unforgettable NCAA tournament run in 1983, where they would win the NCAA championship in stunning fashion. He would later go on to have an impressive career in the NBA with the Utah Jazz. Thurl accomplished so much in his basketball career, but before he could live his dream on the court, he had to first figure out how to overcome the obstacle of not making his middle school basketball team. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to see and be seen through the right lens, the importance of preparation, and putting yourself in positions to win. I'm Anthony Robles, and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. What does unstoppable mean to you? Unstoppable is just a, is just a mindset and a way of life. I think it's just uh, not being, being afraid to fail. Relentless. I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish when I set my priorities right, when I walk with God, and when, again, I, I live with that mindset being the best that I can be at every moment. I think there's nothing more powerful on earth than the human will. Anthony Robles has shown us that impossible is nothing. Anthony Robles is a national champion. You're listening to The Unstoppable Podcast with Anthony Robles, brought to you by Safe Streets. Please welcome today's special guest, Thurl Bailey. Before we start the show, I'd like to say a special thank you to our sponsor, Safe Streets, the authorized provider of ADT home security systems for their support of this podcast and the mission behind it, which is to inspire those who listen and to continue to share the message of Unstoppable. Not only do they support the podcast, they're also my home security provider. So visit safestreets.com for more info, or you can click on the Safe Streets link in the show notes. So without further ado, let's welcome today's special guest. All right, Thurl Bailey, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good, Anthony. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing extremely well. It's great to catch up with you. It's been too long. It has been a while. We both have been really busy. Yes, sir. Yeah, definitely busy. And, uh, you know, Thurl, you're someone who I've always looked up to and greatly respected. I know, I think it's back in 2011, when I was getting ready to do some wrestling commentating for the first time, we flew out to Utah, and you were just so gracious with your time. You put me through a mini commentating boot camp and really got me really feeling confident to be able to do the commentating gig. So I can't thank you enough. 
Well, you know, it, it's not like you didn't have it in you. I mean, your your experiences and all the things that you've accomplished, um, you know, as, as an athlete, that a lot of times when we decide we want to do something else, it's about the training. And you just dived, you dove right into it, man. And, and look at you now, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. That means a lot. And you're, you're exactly right. It's all about that training, right? That preparation. Right. And I mean, just looking back on, on your life and your career, I mean, you, your success, it's just incredible. So it's truly an honor to have you on the Unstoppable podcast today. And I'm just really, I'm really excited to hear more about your journey. And, you know, just doing my research on you, on your past, I read that at 13 years old, you're already 6'4". What, what was that like? I mean, I'm 5'9 now. So to be 6'4 at 13, that's crazy. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was crazy. It was different. Both my parents were tall. Of course, my dad was 6'6", and my mom was 6 feet. And so I had no choice, right? Uh, all the kids were going to be tall. Um, I was the middle of five kids, and I turned out to get, get the most height out of all of them. Um, it ended up at 6'11". But, yeah, I was, I was large at a, at a very young age, and it was pretty awkward. Right. It was, you know, everybody has their, their thing, especially when they're young. And, um, you know, I didn't really belong to any group. I was kind of this nerdy, tall kid that didn't play sports at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I was kind of trying to find myself during that time. And my getting my education was probably the, the number one priority because we I grew up in a very difficult area outside of Washington, D.C., a lot of crime and not a lot of kids making a lot out of themselves, but my parents really wanted different for us. And, you know, I was born in that, that civil rights era in the sixties. And so, you know, coming up as a, as an African American kid um, in a, in a troubled time, wasn't easy, but I owe it to my parents for one, the education of what was going on around us, mm -hmm. but two, helping me kind of find my, my, my way or, or um, my release, if you will, in sports. And, and I agree with you. And that's something my mom always stressed to me is just uh, education was first. And I mean, that's really interesting, though. I mean, for you to have this natural hype, but not to be naturally gravitated towards sports and basketball. So how did that come about? How did you finally get interested in uh, sports and basketball? Well, it's a great question. Um, I actually was walking through my living room one day as a 13, as a six, five, 12, <laughs> 13 year old. And um, my dad was watching a basketball game on our black and white Zenith TV set. Now I'm dating myself here. Uh, it was back in the day when the TVs had the antennas off the back. And sometimes your dad would make you stand there and, and hold the antenna so the picture could come in pretty clear. And so I sat down next to him. He was watching a basketball game and I didn't know anything about basketball. I mean, I knew what it was, but I, I had never played before. So I sat down next to him and um, proceeded to ask him tons of questions, probably every 10 seconds of what was going on and what was this all about? Uh, where can I get a pair of those cool short shorts they're wearing? <laughs> and so um, pretty soon I stopped asking questions because I became fixated on, on the game and in particular one particular guy who was in that game that I didn't know anything about. I just knew Anthony had the coolest hairdo. He had an afro that came about out to here all the way around. <laughs> and um, he looked like a man among boys out there. And I asked my dad who it was. And he said, son, that's Dr. J. 
And believe it or not, my next question was that I didn't know doctors could play professional basketball. <laughs> so I proceeded to get a lesson on who Dr. J was. And you know as well as I do, we all have these moments where we see or hear something that kind of inspires us, gets That's our it. heart pumping a little faster. That's what it was for me. I saw Dr. J play that that night, and it inspired me to want to be like him. I didn't know how I was going to do it, um, but I wanted to be able to do the things I saw Dr. J do because they were some of the most incredible things I'd ever seen a human being do. And that that really started my my journey and my love for wanting to um, really find a way to be like the guy I was watching on TV. That's really cool. And so I'm, I'm looking at you now. You're pretty clean cut. No, no Afro going on anymore. huh? <laughs> well, the times have changed. I actually have hair, but it's all this color. Um, but I used to wear, you know, when I was trying to emulate Dr. J, I used to try to grow my fro out. Yeah. And I can, ne I can never get it to grow straight. It was always a little bit crooked. I don't know why. But uh, of course, when years later, when Michael Jordan came on the scene, he made this cool. Yeah. So I just stuck. It's easier. So I just stuck with it. <laughs> I hear you. And, and that's so awesome. I know you mentioned, you know, just having that moment where you were, where you inspired, inspired, you know, to, to play basketball and yeah. just to see, uh, this is what I wanted to do. And uh, I have a similar experience when I was in wrestling and it was just me just stepping on a mat for the first time and getting thrown around. But from that point on, I was like, I know I want to wrestle. So, you know, yeah. when looking back, when you had that experience, that inspiration, what came next? Like, when was your first, uh, basically, that first appearance on the basketball court, on the basketball team? How did that all go down? Were you just naturally good at it? Was it something you kind of struggled with? or? No, I wasn't naturally good. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's very rare to, to have to see someone who, you know, reaches the highest level in what they do to, to start out, uh, you know, at, at, at a level that's, that's close to that. But mm -hmm. What I learned from my parents was if you want something, if you want to achieve something, you need to ask the right questions to the right people. Hmm. And the person that I had in my life at that time that was a mentor to me was my dad. And I was very fortunate. I, mean, I know you have some stories to the opposite of this, but I was fortunate enough to have both parents at home at that time because a lot of my friends and and guys in the neighborhood didn't have that kind of influence. And so I turned to my dad and I said, dad, can you teach me how to play basketball? We didn't have one of those portable hoops or park that we could go to. So he, he grabbed a garbage can and he cut the top off about that thick all the way across and nailed it to the house, found an old basketball and my lessons began. Hmm. And so that was really the beginning of me getting on that path to do something that I was so passionate about. And, and Anthony, you know, as well as I do, that sometimes passions tend to be spur of the moment. You get excited about something and then something else comes along and mm -hmm. takes your attention. But for me, when I saw Dr. J perform, I knew that that's one of the things I wanted to do. And so I, although I had priorities as far as education and things I had to do at home and responsibilities, that was important to me and my parents knew it. And so that was really the first level. And then I went to junior high school and decided that I was gonna try to follow Dr. J's path to success as well. Um, because, you know, as, as most people know, success does leave clues. And, and so I'm reading about this man and what he 
did and what he went through and how he played organized basketball. So I tried out for my basketball team. Uh, in the seventh grade, I was six five, and in the eighth grade, I was six seven. Wow. And so the coach, uh, the coach that ran, that was the head coach at the time, he didn't see anything in me that he needed at that time. He wanted to win a championship right away. So I wasn't one of the guys. So I got cut my seventh grade year and my eighth grade year in junior high school. And then after I got, after he cut me on my eighth grade team, um, he told me not to come back my last year. He says, mm-hmm. I don't have time to, I don't have time to teach you how to play basketball because I'm trying to win a championship this year. And so I just figured that my dreams of becoming Dr. J would be in the confines of my, my front yard. Um, but I got an opportunity my last year of junior high school because that coach left and took a job at another school. Another coach came in and I, I, I had to decide whether I was going to walk through those doors and try out again after those previous two years. Cause you know, when you're disappointed like that, especially two years in a row, you start to question yourself, right? You start to wonder if you're good enough, if this is really what you want, maybe coach was right. Maybe I should take another path. Um, but I walked through the doors and the, co- the new coach there took us through the practice and I came back the next day and I saw my name on a list of guys who had made the team. Hmm. And, um, and I joke about it because my name was the first one on the list. <laughs> so I figured that he, you know, he thought about me first. I know he did put my name down. Then I realized it was alphabetical order. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, that was one of the biggest moments of my life but that's not what changed my life what changed my life was he called me into his office after I made the team two days after and he said Earl if you want to be a great player you've got a lot of work to do he said but I'm gonna I'm gonna offer you something and in my mind I'm wondering why this guy knew me would spend all that time with me and he told me he said I see potential in you I see potential in you you don't even see in yourself and that's really what changed my life and it gave me a sense of the kind of lens I wanted when I saw other people who wanted to achieve something, right? Um, the coach who cut me, his lens was, you know, I, he can't do anything for me right now. But the other coach was like, you know what? I'm going to be patient. I see something in this guy that I, I can develop and I can help him to see it. So that was a real turning point and a big moment in, in my life. Oh, that's, that's an amazing story. And I like, there's so many things that I like that you said about the lenses, you know, about the, the last coach, what a blessing for him to see that you threw a lens where he saw that potential. And I think that's important for us to realize, you know, you mentioned how two years in a row, you got, you got cut, you didn't make the team. And at that age, I mean, that must've been devastating, you know, to have that passion to something you want to do. And then for it to be basically taken away from you for the opportunity to be ripped away, that must have broken your heart, but you stuck with it. I mean, two years in a row of that devastating experience, you stuck with what you wanted to go after, what you were inspired to chase after. And I think that's just a crucial lesson to learn, right? There's going to be the setbacks and there might be people who unfortunately view us through lenses to where they say, well, you can't do it, or, you know, you're not good enough, or you don't have the potential, but we can't allow those people to affect us because we have to remember what you just said, right? They're just seeing us through a different lens and we can't look at ourselves through that lens. That's right. And Anthony, you're the epitome of that, obviously, for me, for me. Um, But the the other part of that is the fact that 
we have to have that support around us. We can't do it ourselves. We have to have those people who can see something, sometimes what we can't, right? And we have to have those people like Coach Cole did, the, the coach that kept me, mm-hmm. that have the patience and, and that can take you to the next level uh, and then kind of hand you off to hopefully another leader in your life or coach that can that can work with you know with what he did and so the 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 journey as you well know is um and you look back on it it's an amazing journey and there's not going to be you won't even begin to to understand the success you're going to have until you can go through some of those difficult times and work through it because you find out a lot about yourself and then as you get older you find out how you approach situations like when these kids come in for me to train basketball, you see kids that want to wrestle, right? That you're training. Mm-hmm. There's something there. And you know what? Even if their aspirations aren't to play in the NBA or even past high school, there's something that they learn about themselves through those challenges and, and through that training. And so, um, yeah, those years just taught me so much about leadership and how to how to look at other people and, and treat them and, and um, you know, and, and get them to see that they've got potential to be great uh, along that path uh, that they choose to. Sure, that, that's awesome. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more with what you said about nobody does it alone. We all need that help. And, you know, I had my people, I call them my team or my voices in the crowd, right? Those people cheering for you and, and, and kind of pushing you forward. And just something earlier that stuck with me that you said, you said you were, you weren't afraid to ask the right questions. Right. And I think we have to remember that as well. It's like, we can't do it alone. So when we're in that position where we want to achieve something, we can't be afraid to ask people for help, to ask questions when we don't know the answer, because no one knows everything, right? We can always improve and learn, but we have to be willing to put ourselves out there and ask for that assistance. And that's one of the biggest steps, Anthony, because I know, I know kids today. I mean, there are kids who are sitting in classrooms today who will fail before they raise their hand and, or go ask the teacher, how, you know, how can I get the right questions, right? How can I get through this? How can I, you know, can you help me? And, and, and all it takes is that, that first step, that first move, ask the right questions to the right people. And, you know, I, as, as we go around and speak to youth and, and corporations, I mean, that's one of the main things, especially right now, as we're going through an amazing change here in this country with diversity and and people um, not giving others the opportunity based on what they see, right? And so, um, yeah, it's 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 really helped me in my life to to approach situations uh, from a perspective that hopefully gives those folks that we're dealing with, that we're talking to, an opportunity to see themselves as well uh, in, a, in a better light. Yes, sir. Absolutely. If we could just go back to your, your athletic career. I mean, you were blessed with this great coach who helped to mold you to find that potential. And so you finish off high school and you go to that college level. And senior year, you were the starting forward for the North Carolina State University men's basketball team. And I read that you guys were given the nickname, the Cardiac Kids. Can you tell us what that is about? Like, why were you given that nickname? Well, it really started before that, because you know as well as I do in the recruiting process, when you've achieved something in high school, you know, coaches come 
knocking at your door. And I didn't have many because I was a late bloomer, but there was a coach named Norm Sloan from NC State that saw potential in me. And so he recruited me and uh, came to my house because, you know, if you want to get the kid, you better sit down and talk to mom. Oh, yeah. Right. So um, my mom loved what NC State offered. North Carolina wasn't too far away from, from Maryland. And so that's where I was headed. And mom asked all the right questions, right? You're going to be there for my son. And so after my freshman year under Coach Norm Sloan, he gets a job at another school. Hmm. So he's, he's off and away. And it, it devastated me. It devastated me. I called home. Anthony, I said, Mom, Coach Sloan is leaving, and I don't know what to do. I'm coming home. Hmm. And my mom's quote was, son, you may be going somewhere, but you're not coming here. <laughs> <laughs> she said, you're going to stay there. You're going to get your education because that's what you went for. And you're going to wait and be patient and see who they hire. Hmm. So, of course, we're going to listen to our moms, right? So I stayed, and I waited patiently, and in walks this you know, six foot two, six foot three, Italian, confident looking guy. And I wasn't even trying to hear what he had to say. None of us really were because we didn't know him. We didn't trust him. And so he walks in and talks about who he is. My name is Coach Valvano. Um, you know, I know I didn't recruit you guys. I know you don't want to be here. But I know, he said, I'm going to win a national championship. So that's when we looked up. He says, I know I'm going to win one, guys, soon. And those were his, some of his first words. Who says that as some of your first words in your introduction to a team that you didn't recruit? So we thought he was nuts right off the, right off the bat. And then he said, guys, if I can get you to see what I'm seeing, and, and, and I've dreamt about it. I know how it looks. I know how it feels. I think we can get there soon. Now, I didn't recruit you guys, so I know I've got a lot of work to do. So the more he spoke to us, the more we really kind of, because he was really selling it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think all of us, I know I, I felt like if I left, that I would miss something that was going to be incredible the way he was selling it. So none of us left. And for the next couple of years, he promised that there wouldn't be a day that, that goes by that he wouldn't remind us of the, the ultimate goal, which was the national championship. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he would do really crazy things like bring a ladder to the practice. And for two hours, he would have us, he had this gold scissors. He would have us climb the ladder and each one of us cut a piece of the net. And then he would go up last and cut the net down and put it around his neck. And we had to spend the next hour celebrating like we had won the national championship. And it was the most awkward thing any of us had ever done. And we did that twice a month. Really? Twice a month, cutting down the nets, practicing it. And basically what he told us, as uncomfortable as it was, he said, guys, if we're going to do this, if we're going to reach the ultimate goal to win a national championship, we, you got to be uncomfortable. You've got to go outside things that, that you're not used to doing. Nobody else is doing this. I want you to visualize what it would be like for you. I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. What does it look like? What are you doing when, when we win the national championship? So he wanted to put us in that frame of mind because everything we were doing was working towards that. And so um, my senior year, obviously, we were faced, uh, we went through an incredible journey to get to the, the championship game. And once we got there, we were faced with the University of Houston who had Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler on that team. And I would think everybody in 
99.9% of the country didn't give us a chance. Um, and I know you've been there. Oh, yeah. But um, listen, we felt like we belonged, you know, and then I get the ball in the left corner with seven seconds to go on the clock and pass it to my teammate, Derek Wittenberg, who's standing a little bit beyond half court. He launches up a, an air ball and Lorenzo Charles grabs it, my, my other teammate, and dunks it in. And it's a reality. We're national champions. And the reason we were called the cardiac pack was because with every single game that we played to get to that point, it was um, it was a last second shot. It was something that we did to, you know, to to give our fans a cardiac arrest, if you will, <laughs> uh, just watching the game, wondering what was going to happen if we were going to come back and keep keep our journey going, and we did. And so we got uh, we got that that moniker as we began to achieve. Um, things that most people thought were impossible. We were unstoppable, Anthony. Yes, sir, you were. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I know I was watching the footage of, of that game, that those last couple seconds, and just to hear the crowd erupt and Coach Valvana running around on the court. I mean, that's incredible. And just to, for you to explain that journey going through the tournament, I think a great lesson is, like you said, you know, you guys were just, you're always fighting, right? You're always in that position. And Coach Valvano said that at the end of the game, he said, we put ourselves in a position to win. When you have a, when you're in a position to win, then you have a shot at winning. And I think we have to remember that sometimes, especially in life, it's like, right, sometimes things aren't going our way. We might feel like we're down, right? We're under underneath and we're the underdogs. We're fighting up, but you have to keep putting yourself in that position to win, doing your best that you can in that moment. So there will be that opportunity for you to be successful, right? Hey, everybody. Before we get back to the show, I wanted to take a moment to recognize our sponsor. Safe Streets is the nationwide authorized provider of ADT home security systems. And with a commitment to giving their customers a five-star experience, it's clear to see why they without a doubt are the best in the business. Safe Streets set up my home with a home security system, and I can honestly tell you that my experience was five-star. When I spoke with a consultant, I really liked how they listened and worked with me to create a unique home security system that tailored to my needs and my budget, instead of trying to push a bunch of products on me. My installer, Andrew, arrived on time, he was friendly, professional, and he took the time to go over the system with me and answer all the questions that I had. I love how easy the system is to use. Give yourself a peace of mind in knowing that your home is protected 24-7 with Safe Streets, the nation's only authorized provider of ADT home security systems. Visit safestreets.com today and let them show you how they can make your home safer and more comfortable. That's exactly right. Because, listen, you're not going to win every game, right? You're not going to win every time you you step up to to want to achieve something. There's going to be some difficult moments. The, the, really, the kicker for us was, okay, what did I learn from that failure, right? What, what did I learn that I don't want to do again? You know, as I look at my opponent, what do I know about my opponent and how can I study and learn from some of the things that other champions have done? How can I develop that mindset? And so that was what V was really good at. Hmm. You know, the, the sign of a great leader is how well he knows his team individually, right? Because the things that motivate me may be different from things that motivate my other teammate. And I had a teammate that he, in order for you to get him going, you had to scream and yell and holler at him. Hmm. 
not 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 to denigrate them or anything, but just to kind of get them hyped up. There were mm-hmm. some guys you couldn't do that to because you would lose them. So you had to approach them differently. And Coach Balvano was a master. He was a master at, at knowing what his guys needed individually. And he was also a master at knowing who the leaders were within the team, right? Because he can't be there 24-7. But he could give his seniors like me and Derek and Sidney the responsibility to lead um, when he was, you know, in his absence, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's it's so interesting to look back on the things that we learned through the course, because that journey could have ended any time. You know, one loss and you're out of the tournament, you're home, and now you're saying, you know, we, we had a nice run. I thought we did as well as we could do. But, man, when the stars line up and – you put all the preparation in, right? And you believe it. You seem to create that luck that happens, mm-hmm. right? And and then you start you start to to really get some clarity on maybe this is uh, we're destined to do this. And uh, speaking of which, that's what I named my book Team of Destiny because we you know, we we did everything that we had to do, and it doesn't happen every day where things line up that uh, you get to the top in that way, um, those stories don't happen. Stories like yours don't happen every day. And so that's why there's a lot that people can learn from from our journeys and what we've done. Yes, sir. I like how you said just preparation, right? That preparation is the key, putting the time in and learning from those failures. And I think we all hate to fail. We all hate those setbacks. Uh, A friend of mine, he said, fail stands for a first attempt in learning, right? And if you do learn from that experience, then that kind of shows you where the weaknesses are in your armor, right? Like, so you, you evaluate that, you strengthen yourself, and then you move forward for that next battle. And I mean, just being under such a legendary coach, I mean, that was just an amazing story that you shared, all these experiences. I love how you said visualization, right? Cutting down that net. And I, I do that myself, just the visualizations. Just I set this goal for myself and I just dream, how good is it going to feel to get that, right? And think about actually doing it, actually accomplishing that thing. And it's so powerful because the more you do that, the more it becomes a reality, right? It's, it's no longer, I wish I could do that. I hope I can do that. It's kind of far away. It's like, it's right there in my face. I can do this. I know I can. And kind of gives you that extra motivation. It really does. And, and, you know, you played it through your mind, you played the mm-hmm. scenarios through your mind, right? I mean, when you wrestled and you knew who you were going to be wrestling against, you, you did your homework. And it's like, when I knew I was going to have to guard a great player, like Larry Bird, Hmm. Uh, the night before I would really, I knew his game so well, but even though I knew it well, I knew that he was good enough to, to basically do what he wanted to do on the court. So I would play through the game in my mind with me guarding him. And it really helped me so much. Now we didn't win every time and maybe I didn't have a great game every time, but it really helped me in my approach to longevity in the league and also, um, you know, making my mark because there were games when what I played through in my mind became a reality out there on the court. And so, uh, you know, I, I really encourage people to to learn how to visualize the things that they want. You know, it's kind of like that board in a sense is that you're putting yourself in a place that you want to go to and it's positive thinking and it's, uh, it's one of those things where sometimes 
you know, you write it down or you post it on the wall. If you can see it, if you can think about it, then you, you can you can get that much closer to achieving it mm-hmm. um, with all the other things that we talked about, about, you know, getting those people around you that aren't draining you, mm-hmm. right? That are sucking the energy out of you because they're going nowhere. Uh, and But those people who are positive and, you know, they want to move forward as well because um, that, that positive energy is, is something that's um, that that's what makes those unstoppable successful people. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned Larry Bird just being able to play against him. So what was that experience like just going into the NBA? Well, it was a dream come true. Um, I, I really didn't think I was good enough to make it in the NBA, much less stay, you know, have longevity in it. I mean, not that I was was questioning myself as a player. I mean, winning a national championship gives you some credibility and it also gives you some notoriety. So I was hoping a team would take a chance on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, come NBA draft day, my name was the seventh name called in the first round. So I, I was ecstatic. I didn't know much about Utah and the Utah Jazz, but it didn't matter where I was going. I just, I, I just knew I was going to be playing at the highest level. And so um, you can imagine at that time, there were only, you know, 20-something teams. And there's only maybe two or three spots on every team every year. So that's not a lot of spots to fill out of the millions of young players that want to play at that level. Mm -hmm. So for me to be chosen that high in the draft to be one of those guys in in, in the NBA uh, is something I don't take for granted. Um, And then once I got there, here's the first full circle moment, Anthony. Once I made it into the NBA, the Jazz drafted me. One of my first games as a rookie was right here in Salt Lake City against the Philadelphia 76ers. And the coach puts me in a game, and I walk out there, came off the bench and walked out there. And right before the game started again, I got a tap on my shoulder, and a hand reached out to shake my hand. And I turned, and I recognized the fro, and it was Dr. J. Wow. Playing the Philadelphia 76ers that night, he said, Thurl, congratulations on a great college season. Welcome to the NBA. And so I'm standing there. You can imagine. I mean, I know you've never seen an NBA player pass out in the middle of the floor, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I was so excited that I was standing next to the guy who created the passion for me. And now I'm getting ready to guard him, right? Then I realized that my my four teammates were guarding other players. So I had to guard Dr. J that night. Oh. <laughs> and, and, you know, as an athlete, right, you you want your moment at some point. And I'm thinking, you know what, if I can, if I can make Dr. J work hard, uh, if I could play him and hold him under his average, then they're going to be talking about me, writing about me in the papers. And I don't think I worked harder in basketball than that night. Hmm. And Anthony, I held Dr. J that night to 47 points. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't about to get 50 on me that night, my man. Hey, hey, you held him underneath it. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> that was really a full circle moment for me to have my my idol right next to me on the court. That's absolutely incredible. What an, an amazing experience. 
I mean, just to look back at where you came from, just watching him on TV and then getting to that point. Wow. I mean, that's very, that's very special. Thrill. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. That's my ooh, pleasure. Man. Gives me some goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> my hair stood up. And well, Thurl, I mean, you're just an incredible journey, incredible story. I mean, looking back, I'm sure there's people that can relate in so many ways. I mean, right now, there's probably someone out there. They might be six, seven, five, nine, but they're at a point in their life where you know they they have a goal, they have something that they're they're passionate about pursuing, but they're facing those setbacks in their own way. They understand how it feels when you know you're expecting to make that team, but you just go out there and you find out that your name didn't even make the list. Do you have any advice for those people on how to just, just push through? Well, Anthony, what, what you and I did in sports is really a microcosm of everyone microcosm of what happens, you know, in, in, in a sense in real time in everybody's lives in business, in sports, doesn't matter what the arena is. Um, people are, People want to be successful. They really, they want a shot, right? They want their shot. And there's, you talk about people who are living in, in just in different circumstances, right? Some of it's financial, some of it's, um, you know, the fact that, that they're immigrants or they haven't been given a shot. Um, so I would say, that first of all you have to decide what it is you want now for some it'll be a lot tougher maybe to get to certain a certain position decide what it, what it is you want um, and then decide who can help you get there you know there's no success without taking some risks and sometimes that risk has to be just opening your mouth and and again, asking those questions to people to get to get the answers that you want. Um, and there's going to be moments when you want to give up. And there's going to be those failure moments. And so that's when you need that support around you uh, to say, listen, if you really want this, let's 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 put together a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a lot of people who want to achieve things, but they have no plan to it. It's just random um, busyness, if you will. And as an athlete, you always learn about how to develop a plan, a game plan and try to follow that. And you're going to make changes every once in a while. Um, but you know, I would say to those people, we're living in a great country, right? We're living in a, in a country that, uh, you know, right now we're going through some difficult times with COVID and with all the unrest socially and racially that's going on, um, but it's still a great country. And so we all need to make our mark in it, whatever that is, we have to choose what kind of people we're gonna be first. And so um, I just hope that a journey like mine and a journey like yours and all those others out there can help people understand that they can do it. You know, there's no difference really between, uh, you know, you and I weren't born with, with, you know, with the talent to do what we ended up doing as a passion. So there's an opportunity out there for people to really achieve what they want to achieve. 
if they just believe in themselves and they don't they they don't give up and and you captured it in a nutshell you have to have that unstoppable mindset that nothing's going to stand in your way there thank you thorough that's great advice right there and, and just been so inspiring to be able to be able to talk with you today if it's okay with you i know you're a busy guy so i'd like to just close out with three final questions and i call them the short time questions so basically you just say the first answer that comes to mind when i ask you these is that okay all right, my friend. Thank you. So first question here. What's your favorite book or movie? My favorite movie is uh, Gladiators with Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. It's an older one, but I, when it came out at the time, it was just it was just a great production, just inspired me. Um, this man who's fighting like for justice and, and all, a lot of things that we talked about. So that's at the top of my list. Yeah, I love that movie. Next question. Favorite motivational quote? Oh, wow. My favorite motivational quote is probably a simple one that uh, says that you can't worry about what you can't control. You just can't. I tell my kids that all the time when they come to me with things like, well, what you can't, you have to worry about what you can control what kind of things can you do to make your situation better you can't worry about what other people say you just have to control what you can control and that's training yourself to be in a, in a position and ready for when that opportunity comes yes sir i love it final question thorough what does unstoppable mean to you unstoppable means that you have a certain mindset uh, of what you want to accomplish in your life, in the life of your family, the people that you're around, and that nothing's going to stand in your way to achieve those things. Uh, unstoppable mindset means that you're going to surround yourself with people who want the same things that you want, how to be a better person, how to make an impact and make the world better that we've had our impact. It's our legacy that we're looking at. And I'm looking at the man right now who is the mentor for me. Uh, when I, Whenever I hear Unstoppable, Anthony, you're the first thing that comes to my mind, um, your story. So I'm honored. I'm honored, man, to, to have spent this time with you and, and continue to do your Unstoppable things as well. Um, it's truly an honor, my friend. Thank you so much. Your words mean the world to me. And thank you for just taking the time out of your schedule to share more of your story. It's definitely been inspiring. Thank you so much, Thurl. Time, Anthony. And so where can people find you if they want to keep track of you online? Um, they can find me at uh, thurlbailey.com. That's where my new book, uh, The T Team of Destiny, is available. And it's also on Amazon. Uh, on in ebook form, but they can find me there and they it, they can tweet me tweet out at uh, Big T Bailey at Big T Bailey. Um, but hey, I'm I'm here. They can they can just Google me and they'll they'll find me. <laughs> Sounds good, my friend. Well, again, Thurl, thank you so much for your time and stay safe out there. Tell the family I say hello. Same here, man. God bless you as well, my friend. All right. It was awesome catching up with my friend Thurl Bailey. I really liked the point that he made about surrounding ourselves with people who view us through the right lens. 
There's over 7 billion people in the world. So chances are, each and every one of us is going to have at least one critic. One individual out there who either doesn't see or doesn't appreciate us for what we're truly capable of. Because they're not viewing us through the right lens. It's crucial to not view ourselves through the same lens that they do. Instead, we need to see ourselves for what we're capable of and surround ourselves with people who view us the same way so that we can lean on them for motivation and assistance. Thurl is right. Nobody can do it alone. It's important to not allow our pride or fear to get in the way of asking for help because that's how we can excel and make it to the next level of reaching our full potential. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by SafeScreen, the leader in smart home security and automation and America's only ADT authorized provider. SafeStreets will help protect what you value most. To talk to an expert and get a free quote today, call 844-980-SAFE. That's 844-980-7233. The Unstoppable Podcast is a production of Anthony Robles Enterprises, LLC, in partnership with The Really Good Home Podcasts. I'd like to thank my editor, Laura Batista, producer Katie Pula-Tunoff, and my senior producer, Andy Frazier. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great day, and remember, be unstoppable.